Welcome to Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers Podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm Steve Garshinsky, and I'm joined today by Ryan Top and JP Breen. And we got kind of an announcement today, I guess, to talk about. Kind little, of. A little bit of a transition going on. Yeah, that not kind of an announcement, a very big announcement. Well, it depends on how invested you are in things. <laughs> I don't think JP's that invested, right? I am invested in very few things right now in my life. It's the holidays you checked out. It's the holidays. I've got other things happening kind of in, in real world things and I had a chance to see a lot of family. So, well, yeah, over the past month. And so uh, my investment on most things in my life has been very low outside of those things. Yeah. So anyways, uh, I guess our announcement is uh, both uh, JP and myself will be stepping away from the podcast, but the podcast will continue. Yep. So um, Ryan will be uh, taking over with, uh, we have James Langer, mm-hmm. who's going to help you with it. And then who else do we have coming on board? So Paul Noonan will move from a, you know, sometime guest host to a mostly full-time member. I don't know if it'll be every week, but uh, he'll be as a, a primary involved in this. He's going to be a media mogul considering he's on multiple podcasts here with the football podcast. Yeah, I, I was really surprised. I put the offer out to him, and I didn't think he was necessarily going to have like the time to, to be able to do it. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm in. So I was uh, I was super happy about that. And James, I, I went for because I was looking for somebody to host, to do your role, Steve. So And James is a broadcast professional and has done stuff for a long time. So I was like, okay, this this is a good fit. And then... We also will be adding a fourth person because we need really two people to replace JP. Like we can't just replace it with one. Uh, we we I really needed somebody who could do uh, the minor league side of things. So we will be bringing in Brad Ford as well, and he will fill in when one of us has to miss. As, so he'll be on the regular podcast from time to time, and he will be the the go to guy on the minor league extra. So so the minor league extra will continue. Everything on Patreon will continue. Nobody has to worry about any of that. Yeah, it's all going to continue if, however, you are like totally uh, bummed about this and do not wish to continue being a Patreon sponsor, but your January uh, thing has already processed, go ahead and shoot me a note and you drop and I can go ahead and refund it on Patreon. So if you don't wish to continue and don't wish to continue in January, uh, that's absolutely fine. I will I will refund that money. But at the same time, you get the uh, as uh, reporting is eligible weekly podcast coming out from Paul uh, support two different podcasts talking about uh, Wisconsin sports going to have a great opportunity to continue with uh, the minor league extra with Brad and and Ryan and still have an opportunity to support uh, this transition to the new Brewers podcast coming on with a lot of really great people. So I would encourage you all to um, to, to continue supporting allow you know, make this possible, especially with with folks like Ryan and Paul giving a lot of their time and effort and making this, these things possible. Um, so uh, continue supporting y'all. Are great. Y'all have been great throughout the entire time. What, what we've done? One hundred and twenty one of these plus like mini pods and minor league extras. And like it's been a couple of years. It's been a long time. It has. It's gotten busy. It's, it's a time commitment, um, you know, and so I know. JP, you have stuff going on uh, with your academic career. I just am busy with a child running around. 
Well, and you also got a promotion at work. So yeah, like, and, and there's work stuff that obviously takes up time as well. So, you know, it was time, but it, it, we're glad that everything will keep uh, moving on, which is good. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I think the great thing is we've proven that uh, when we start podcasts, uh, we get teams into playoffs. Yes, that is true. Because once we did a full season of this podcast, the Brewers immediately made the playoffs two years in a row. Uh, once they started reporting as eligible before the season started, the Packers got back in the playoffs. So clearly, JP and I started our last one right before they went on the the Grinky run. That was right when we did what was it the Bernie Screw podcast, JP? Yeah, and like I know a lot of people might roll their eyes on it, but Steve's just laying out the facts, and I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. Like you can argue with the facts all you want, but you'll just sound stupid. This is the truth. So just accept it. Uh, support the podcast. If you don't, your teams will stop making the playoffs. That's just the way all of this works. So, Yeah, so we need to get a Badgers podcast going. Yeah, I trust me, I've, I've uh, thought about this. So it, it is, is that, this thought that, has crossed I mean, my mind. I was going to say that's the only way they can make the actual like football playoffs then, right? Yeah. Well, I've heard some people say that every game is a playoff in college football. So it's well, almost well. true. <laughs> but those people suck, and they're usually on ESPN. So anyways, uh, you can help fans find the podcast by rating, interviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page. You can also follow the three of us on Twitter, and we'll tweet that out when the podcast goes live on Monday morning. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast network, you can visit patreon.com slash tailgate. Our ball and glove patrons and above receive the monthly minor league extra podcast and the reporting is eligible weekly Packers preview. Milwaukee's tailgate is sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing and their English shell malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. You know them for the great beers like Dragon Flute, Block Party, and their flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. And they have other beers, too. This is what happens when we let JP write, <laughs> write the copy. <laughs> write the yep. copy. They have other beers. So, uh, yeah, definitely. They've been great this entire time. So uh, we can't say enough about Carbon 4 uh, and what they've done for the podcast, at least, you know, jumping on as a sponsor and helping us keep this thing going. And Before we really even had, like, a proven product even at that point. Like, it was – we kind of did, but it was still kind of coming They jumped shape. on, like, right before the Yelich trade – which is when like we got a bump in listeners. Okay. When so, we, we yes, Christian Yelich was great for us too. Oh yeah. So so was Carbon Four responsible for Christian Yelich? They might be responsible for Christian Yelich, which is responsible for us doing the podcast, which is responsible for the Brewers making the playoffs. And a butterfly flapped its wings in Brazil. Exactly. Yeah. So go support Carbon Four. Uh, and like I said, we've also used them for like fantasy football drafts and stuff like that as well. So it's an awesome place to go. Uh, just check out on Madison's East side. Remember they're over on Kinsman Boulevard. Um, you know, they're open Monday through Sunday, whatever it is. That would be seven days a week, seven days a week. Yeah. Eight days a week. Uh, so go check that out. Obviously they got a great, uh, restaurant there. You can check out, uh, get some food. Even if you don't want to drink like every beer on the menu, but you can. I mean, they do have a lot of that, though. Take a cab. Yeah, take a cab. However you want to get home. They have union cabs in Madison. They do have union cabs. You don't have to do any of that Uber or Lyft stuff. Do a union cab. Yeah, and they are actually fairly reasonable. So, Sure. So anyways, uh, as always, check out uh, 
Carbon Force web store and use MKE Tailgate as your promo code to get 20% off of merch. Uh, that is Carbon4.com online. Carbon4, beer brilliance. So Ryan was complaining before we started recording that there wasn't enough news. Well, I wasn't really complaining. It's, this is ideal for this because we have our own news and we have our own thing we want to do here. So I mean, it's kind of ideal. You were, I don't know if he was complaining. He was like paranoid that he was missing news. You know, the number of times that we've been recording and I've looked that we were, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes in thinking like, oh, we're going to wrap this thing up here any minute. And then when we're finished, we're always well over an hour. That's why like I, if we had nothing on our rundown, I wouldn't be worried about us like being able to fill time. Now I listen to, I, I listen to you guys argue about like VHS and beta for like 15 minutes and I stopped paying attention in the middle of it before we even started this. So I have no doubt that we can take an hour pretty easily. I mean, we were discussing JP. We weren't arguing. We were discussing. We were I don't know. I stopped paying attention. You guys, I just figured you were arguing. That's fair. As someone who doesn't like uh, to have a lot of subscriptions, I, I figured you'd be interested in finding out why you have a large collection of, of VHS tapes on your wall. Why I have a lot of yeah, VHS don't you? Tapes on I can see that. Like you got a ten tape Ken Burns collection or something up there. No, man, uh, YouTube is a thing, and and like if you wanna if you wanna watch some Ken Burns stuff, let me direct you to YouTube.com if you need to get involved. By the way, also PBS.com. Their uh, their series on Prohibition, very good. Oh, that is incredible. It's probably the best thing he's done post um jazz like it, the prohibition series is fantastic post jazz his acid jazz face <laughs> yeah it's his, <laughs> it's in his bitches brew face yeah exactly <laughs> okay so uh we did get some i don't know rumors nuggets nuggets <laughs> we got a lot of nugs in this uh between phase <laughs> between christmas and, and new year's here uh for the brewers we heard they're interested in starlin castro uh, before he went to the Nats, which was kind of interesting because it indicates that I guess they're still looking to upgrade at third base, which makes sense. Oh, I thought um, maybe they weren't sold on Keston Hero. They wanted him to play second base. <laughs> I, I wouldn't think so, but it was kind of interesting to see that they were after that. Uh, I do think they'll still add at third base. Well, clearly they're still looking at the infield, JP. I mean, do you think that just means that... Th- They've made those depth moves so far, but they aren't really convinced that they have the, you know, full 20, what is it, 26-man roster now? 26-man. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit like what we saw they did with, like, Giovanni Gallardo last year, two years ago. Oh, I God, I forgot when they about signed that. Him. And it was basically like their, I think that must have been two years ago, where they basically signed him, and they have a lot of guys like, you know, Jace Peterson, uh... I don't even know who's what uh, Eric Sogard right now is probably penciled in to play third. And I think that they're in a position now where they say, look, if we can't get any other signing that we actually like, that's probably where we're going to go. It's a little bit of a fallback option to give them the flexibility to be able to make moves that they want to make rather than making moves that they are forced to make. And this gives them uh, an ability, I think, to. My guess is they probably only wanted Castro on a on a one year deal. He ended up getting a two year deal with the Nats. Uh, again, you know, thanks to James for giving me a shout on Twitter that uh, Strubel Cabrera only signed a one year deal for like two point five million or whatever with the Nationals, which was depressing. But 
you know, you can understand why he'd go back to the or he'd be with the Nationals, like given the choice of everything else is equal. But I think that the Brewers are still probably hoping that Josh Donaldson somehow drops. I think that they're still just kind of like waiting everything out and seeing if they get something to fall to them exactly like we saw last season. And it's unclear if that's necessarily going to happen. But part of what we've seen is so much happened early that there is like this absolute dearth of any baseball news whatsoever right now. How do you guys feel about Todd Frazier for that third base position? I've actually come way around on him. I, I no, I mean, other than like Todd father jokes. I mean, he's been a plus offensive and a plus defensive player for a while. And if you could get him on a one year deal, wouldn't that be, you know, a solid move at third base? I mean, what what do you consider solid other than like being a guy you've heard of that you could have on a one year deal? I just looked at his numbers and saw that he had been a he's mostly been on the plus side of the WRC plus numbers. And he has been a positive defensive player as opposed to a negative. If he gets injured, they don't have to pay for his medical bills because he's on Medicaid. He's 33. He's he's significantly younger than you are, Steve. I'm just saying the investment into him is a lot less than most players. I mean, I will say, uh, you know, 2016, he hit 225. 2017, he hit 213. Uh, 2018, he hit 213. And then last year, he had an absolute breakout in which he hit 251. Um, so if you are going to be bringing him in, basically what you're saying is you're bringing in a guy who's not go- who you're going to rely on um, being able to hit for enough power and hopefully be able to kind of sustain what was a increased walk rate in 2017 2018 and kind of fell apart last year a little bit more um, I'm not sure what he brings to the table that is all that great I guess I mean he does bring depth he he is a better option. Well, than but Ryan. their issue their issue is not depth. Well, I mean they're, they're adding plenty of depth. If you, everybody's looking for that, like this is a no no doubt starter at, at third any base position. right now. They are Eric Sogard and Ryan Healy. Like that's really and maybe you uh, but lose Urias if he slides over there. But like I mean, said, Ryan, depth. I was gonna say, is Ryan Healy really that different than Todd Frazier? Well, he's a much better defender at third base. Frazier's yeah, a much I, better I, defender. Yeah, I I'm I mean I don't really care about that at the moment to be honest. <laughs> okay. Like I mean to to be frank, like I just don't I mean if we're worried about defense just put Eric Sogard there and let it ride. Oh, that's a fair point. If you're yeah, if you're I think Frazier brings he brings power that Sogard doesn't have. He brings defense that Healy doesn't have. So I I think he probably is a better option than just having Ryan Healy on the roster, but I I see your point that like there's a limiting factor here that his batting average has been low and he isn't a big walk guy does he so. have any options <laughs> no <laughs> no he doesn't have options unlike taylor williams who got a fourth option year which gave david stearns a gm boner right <laughs> <laughs> if there's anything he loves it's a guy with more options i mean this really is i said this before we started but this is the last day of school stuff right now so yeah um yes i think that that's true uh it's it's not I don't know if it's ideal for Taylor Williams, though. I think maybe you can make an argument it is because being able to go up and down is at least going to keep him with the team. So I don't know. He having that extra option year does 
probably it helps the Brewers more than it helps. Yeah, JP, what can Taylor Williams be? Because I know there there was a hope at one point he could be more of that high level high leverage uh, reliever, you know, along with Josh Hader or guys like that, because he always seemed to have the stuff to be able to get guys out and it just hasn't come together for him so far. Yeah, I mean, for him, it's we see so many guys with that kind of stuff nowadays that I don't think Taylor Williams is quite as special as he was when we started following him probably, what, a half dozen years ago at this point. I mean, you can go to the pretty much the entire Padres bullpen and you're getting dudes who are going to be throwing 95 with a big slider. Um, Taylor Williams is somebody that just is is he's going to walk too many guys and he doesn't miss enough bats to make that workable. And so in order for him to be anything, you know, more than like what Jacob Barnes was for the Brewers, Uh-oh. he's got to be he's got to be. Well, yeah, sorry, Ryan. <laughs> um, he's got to be able to he's got to be able to be in a position in which he can throw strikes consistently. Otherwise, he is going to always be kind of the swing guy in the bullpen who kind of moves up and down once in a while is able to take multiple innings, you know, in a game that's not all that close because you're trying to be able to just get through some things. You just can't if if you're going to be if you're going to be walking, you know, upwards of double digit percentages, you're going to be walking more than 4 people per 9 innings and you're not missing more than you're not missing bats more than 11% of the time. It, that that's really hard. Yeah, he has to drop the walk rate to become a anything more than what you said, which was a kind of up and down fill in the blanks reliever uh, for him to actually get leverage innings. He's going to need to drop that. And I don't know if that's a mechanical adjustment he'll need to make or if it's an approach adjustment or what, but he's going to have to do that for him to have success. Well, and the biggest thing is it's not new, right? I mean, he's had he's had command troubles ever since 2017 when he was coming back from injury. And I think it says a lot that, like, you know, Devin Williams has pretty clearly passed him on the depth chart, like, extremely comfortably. I think you I would feel much more comfortable that, like, Bobby Wall would have a chance to be something more in the bullpen in 2020 than Taylor Williams. And now, of course, there are unexpected things that always happen. There are something that clicks, especially with relievers. You can catch lightning in a bottle for an extended period of time. But he's going to be much more of a an inconsistent kind of guy. He's going to be a lot more like your Jacob Barnes's, uh, you know, obviously like Matt Albers doesn't throw as hard. But Matt Albers would go through two, you know, two month stretches in which he was great. And everybody is like, well, something, you know, changed here. Obviously, like Matt Al- and then like he'd be terrible for a month and everybody would want to cut him. But like that's the kind of like level of pitcher that they're I was gonna ask, is there any chance that he could get to kind of the Matt Elbers we got, you know, two week or two months worth of a, a shutdown reliever in Taylor Williams? Oh yeah, definitely. I think yeah, I think it absolutely could. Well, and the question too is they have a couple guys who have very similar profiles to this. Jacob Faria is another guy who strikes people out but walks too many people, and they also have Ray Black. Same deal there. So between God, I the forgot about Ray Black. Well, between the three of them, remember it cost us uh, Mauricio Dubon. Yeah, but Drew Pomerantz was pretty freaking good. Doesn't matter. We don't have Dubon, and we don't have Pomerantz anymore. Yeah, well. So anyway, I, between the three of them, I would kind of think one 
has a pretty decent shot of breaking out. Who knows who it's going to be uh, if one of them does it. But I think you collect guys like that. You collect a bunch of them to see if one of them can take a step forward, if one of them can figure it out. And they're all kind of in that same age range, too. I was going to say, like, I we have followed the Brewers for long enough now. Every single year that I can ever remember following the Brewers, writing on them, doing podcasts on them, writing for BP or whatever. Every single year we've gone into it being like, well, you know, if so and so can do it or they've got all these guys and, and, you know, maybe one or two can break out like we're in a position now, I think, in which at most you could say they have a potentially average bullpen and unless Corey Knable can come back and be strong right away or they actually add some things again what they're doing is just throwing a bunch of guys at the wall and gonna see what sticks and like that is a viable plan going forward in terms of what they've been able to show to do but I don't think and I think especially in the last couple of years you know, especially when they're adding at the bullpen and bringing in Drew Pomeranz, they're bringing in Joachim Soria, they're bringing in guys because they recognize about mid-year that they need bullpen help because what they already have is too volatile and they need something that's actually sure. And the bullpen right now does not have that. Well, we can note, too, that uh, they did say, I think this was right around the time we did our last episode, uh, that at this point, they're not planning on having Corey Knable before May. Because he had his TJ in early April. I think it was like April 3rd last year. So it is a 12 to 15 month thing, they usually say. Apparently things are going well with him. He's expected to be in camp right away. Like it's not that there's been a setback or anything, but it's just one of those things they're going to be cautious. The beginning of the season is his post 12 month rehab period. Yes. Like rehab appearances. Yeah, basically he's going to be, yeah, I mean, the season even starts like a week before the, the one-year date. So, yeah, they're going to be cautious with that. And does he go on the DL first and then maybe mid-April starts, you know, the actual DL rehab or IL? I mean, it, it all depends on how, where he's at in his process, like how he looks, how he feels and all that and how they want to handle it. I would be... You know, I would assume that they can kind of send him out right away because San Antonio is a solid place to send somebody to do rehab work. But I don't know exactly how they'll handle that. It could be that he goes to extended spring training because they want to keep him around the facility in Maryvale because they pumped a lot of money into that. And that's a big part of it is they want to be able to use that as sort of a home base for especially pitchers to work out of when they're doing rehabbing and stuff like that. So. We'll see, but I wouldn't expect Corey Knable right away to start the season, is what I'm saying. What I'm wondering is, can the Brewers get Edwin Jackson and get him some big league innings so he's played for 15 teams instead of 14? So we're the, the, like the 15, it, we're the half league point? Yeah, because right now I was pretty invested in Edwin Jackson getting the 14th so he could like overtake Octavio Dotel and actually be like the player who's played for the most teams. But now I really want it to be that even halfway point because that's just, you know, round numbers are nice. No, there's a certain sort of wonderful symmetry to it. And, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with it, but they've got they well, at this I point want him to, like, actually do it and give him meaningful innings. But I, I do want him to, like, be able to get the six or 15 team. 
Well, no, I mean, you can use him sort of the way they used LeVon Hernandez a few years ago, where it was like, well, he's the guy who could just go in and soak innings when we need him to soak innings. Yes. All, all about that. Now, uh, guys who don't so- soak innings, uh, Josh Hader, he goes out there in high leverage innings and gets outs. Uh, he soaks some innings. I mean, that's kind he of... He doesn't a- soak. Well, no, not soak, but he like he covers innings. They don't send him out there in innings that don't matter. They, no, they I don't. was going to say, they don't even pitch him on back-to-back days without everyone having a conniption. Yeah. You, you Me being everyone. Remember, you have to both pitch him on back-to-back days to win games and not pitch him on back-to-back days because that's not using him correctly. Hey, whenever he gives what? up runs, it's got to be somebody's fault. There's there's something wrong in there. So anyways, Hater, uh, rumors continue to bubble, boil. I said gurgle, Steve. You said gurgle? I said gurgle. It's a, it's a, it's a slow-rolling boil? Yeah, I mean, there was some ridiculous stuff on Twitter about some Yankees fans. Do we believe any Josh Hader rumors at this point? Or did the Brewers send out feelers, nobody bit, and there's nothing to really worry about at this point? I'm sure if somebody came in with an offer of, like, an absolute shit ton of talent. Yeah, like, reload our farm system. Or just, like, Take him from the bottom into the top ten. We will take a couple of, like, good major leaguers for him. And, you know, maybe some minor leaguer depth type guys sure if if somebody were to unload for him yeah they would trade him i think how many but. options would there need to be <laughs> for josh Hader to get moved i don't know i don't know what the exact equation is it's it's a lot though right i think josh Hader. It, it's it would you know it's it's the goldilocks move right like the only way he's possibly going to be moved is if they are able to address multiple different positions with young players who are MLB ready, who have impact potential and plenty of control years and options where they could potentially, you know, add to the starting rotation and third base or, you know, whatever it would be. And then, you know, they could turn around and potentially sign somebody for for the bullpen. I think that time has kind of gone I'm, you know, like, I don't know if we ever talked about this. I'm shocked that uh, Dylan Patances went to the Mets for what he did. I think some of that, at least, is just he wanted to stay in New York or he oh, wanted no, to stay think, in like the big city, East Coast cities. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I think that's 100% true. And also, um, he got a weird ass deal. Like, the, we haven't talked about that, but that was a weird ass deal where he can potentially like pick up some options and like he. The Mets could be on the hook if he's legitimately bad. The Mets could be on the hook for significant money in future years. Whereas if he is good, uh, he will just be a free agent again next year. So it's that's a weird, weird deal. Well, but at the same time, when you're talking about significant money, like it's somebody like what asking him to be a one, one and a half win player. Yeah, but I mean, it's also the Mets who don't. Well, I mean, they don't manage money well. Well, they, the Mets are well, they don't the Mets like, are a shit they don't show. like to they don't like to spend money, but it's the same it's the same kind of deal like I understand that we've been conditioned to think about these things in a lot of different ways where if like potentially you lose money on a player then it's fundamentally a bad deal. Um but like when it comes down to it, it's like the Mike Mustakas deal when everyone's like, well, I can't believe he got four years. And I was like, they're paying him under what would be the uh, what the competitive balance or not the competitive balance, but like the 
whatever option they get to what what am I looking for? The one that it's like the it's like seventeen million dollars oh. because it's an average or whatever. Yeah, the uh, offer. Yeah, whatever it is, um, and they're basically paying him under that. They're paying Musakis to be like a one and a half to two win player over four years, in which he's going to barring injury for the first couple of years, he should have no problem being able to meet or exceed that. And it's the same thing that you go, well, but in that fourth year, oh God, you wouldn't want to be on the hook for that. Like you, you adopted a very cut hay accent right there for a second. Well, we also had friends here from Minnesota in which we uh, like jokingly had a Northern Wisconsin accent for like the entire time. Uh, My wife slips into that every once in a while too. Oh, because sometimes up here in uh, Oregon, you got to make sure that you get some of the accent in there, especially, you know, when you meet people from the West Coast. I say, where's your wife from? She's from La Crosse. I heard, I heard it's OK. <laughs> it's it's, da- it's damn nice. No, it is fine. Do they have uh, a uh, soccer bar up there? God damn it. <laughs> uh, but like when I was just taking a look at uh, who else they could potentially get for uh, for the bullpen still. And. A lot of the a lot of the arms have been picked over a little bit. I mean, you've still got some some interesting guys out there. I still think that somebody like Hector Rodon would still make some sense. But the vast majority of guys that you've got out here now, I mean, you know, Jeremy Jeffress is still out there. You've got kind of bounce back guys like Cody Allen who haven't really been useful for a couple of years. There's as, as not a fantasy a lot baseball out player. There. As a fantasy baseball player, don't go to your Cody Allen. <laughs> I've been fooled into that in multiple seasons now. Put him on your bench and just don't there play was, him for a little while. There was a time he was useful, but that time is past. I think, Relievers I think go through many acts. I think Arotis Vizcaino still makes some sense. Uh, obviously, he's going to be kind of an injury uh, an injury issue. Uh, but I really want them to bring Wei Chong Wong home. <laughs> I was I was interested in Craig Stamen and uh, um, Will Harris, but both just signed over the last few days. So those were guys that I thought could really help their bullpen. Yeah, and like I, the both biggest got multi year. Yeah, I was gonna say which you know they they deserve it because you know if people are actually looking at relievers and being like I potentially want them on my team, most likely they deserve multi year deals then. Uh, and I think what we do get is a we're in a position in which there are guys you can go down and say, yeah, they're potentially useful impact talent in the bullpen. I think has gone this year already. I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure what's out there in which you're saying he's a guy that I want my eighth or ninth inning. There are other guys out there that you could say like, yeah, I wouldn't be upset giving them high leverage innings from time to time, but you're not, there's no Drew Pomeranz who's going to fundamentally change how your bullpen looks. Well, hold on, hold on. There was no Drew Pomeranz to start 2019. Right. No, and they had to and they had to trade for him. So if they want to go no, and no, trade no, no. for somebody, Drew Pomerantz, Drew Pomerantz didn't exist to start twenty nineteen. No, Drew Pomerantz wasn't Drew Pomerantz in at the start of twenty nineteen. He was barely right. so Drew Pomerantz you, so, when we traded so for basi- him. Right. So basically, what you're saying is go get a random you know starter who's bad and, and flip him to the bullpen to see if he can absolutely let it fly. But there's also a little bit of waiting for the season to play out as guys you know positions basically adjust depending on what their talent is now there isn't necessarily a drew pomerance every season 
but you know you no, can kind of wait. Been, hey, they've been exceptional at finding Drew Pomerantz. They found it with Anthony Swarzak a few years ago. They found uh, Jordan Lyles this last year. They've been good at finding guys who they could then like I know, put in a certain guys, role and get production but feel, out of. But I but I feel like you're missing the fundamental point of what I'm saying is they need a fundamental piece in their bullpen that can make it function the way that they want to. Josh Hader's not available one day. Who are you going to in the ninth inning? Well, do they have? Like, is, no, is part like right of it now, as constructed? Who would you go to? Is part of it that they have faith in Corey Knebel's rehab? So yes, I mean they have yeah, to wait I mean, two months. Maybe. They have to wait two months, but by the time you hit, by the time you hit the All Star break, you could see maybe you know some bit of the Corey Knebel we remembered from the playoffs. Yeah, in I mean maybe. It- and I think that that'd be interesting, but it wouldn't really play into what they've done in year to year in terms of being able to give themselves a fallback option if that doesn't work, right? Like even with Jimmy Nelson, they still got starting pitchers that they felt like they could move through. I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but it could be Freddie Peralta. It could be Corbin Burns. It could be somebody. I know. I know. I know it could be guys. I'm asking for who is the guy right now, ninth inning, are you going to when Josh Hader is not available? Well, do you want to talk about Freddie Peralta? Is he that guy? Because we do have a question from PB Brew Crew on Patreon. He asked, coming off his Dominican League performance, uh, what is Freddie Peralta's ceiling in 2020? And I know there's been some talk of him adding, what, a slider? Yeah, He's always had a slider. It's more like he's throwing a, what is it, a harder curve, basically? A slurve? A knuckle curve? is Is it just his curveballs actually just getting more bite? I think that's more of what it is. It's biting harder than it did before. <laughs> it bites. It bites. Um, I mean, the thing that got my attention, I put this on Twitter, like he what was a 34 to three. He has a 34 to three strikeout to walk ratio. That three, especially in 20 innings, striking out 34 in 20 innings. Yeah, but in, hold on. Even in even in that. Now, haven't we had like Junior Guerra go to, was it the Dominican Winter League or was he pitching in? Sure, but Junior Guerra has been pretty good. My my point is, Junior Guerra pitching like that, he still came back and was a middle innings reliever. That was the faith they had in him. He was he got Junior, some high leverage innings last Junior year. Junior Guerra never Quite became, you know, you had Josh Hader as your high leverage guy and then Junior Guerra. There was times no. that, yes, times last no, no, year no. he actually was. I know, but there there's a difference between at times and being able to when the Brewers have been able to go on extended runs, they have had at least three knockout relievers in the bullpen. Yeah, I think that they have the confidence that they will kind of sift through it and see who's doing well in a given time and they'll get them to the higher leverage. And then when that stops working, they'll switch somebody else in. I think they have faith in their ability. I think JP is saying they've had guys that it's not when it stops working. They're guys that are clearly at that level. Drew Pomerantz was at that level when he was pitching for the And, and it before that, it was Knable, uh Jeffress, and Hayter, right? And then... And then you also had to, uh, and then they went out and got Joe Soria that they could come in and say, you are a dude who's going to be in our back end of the bullpen. They are definitely thinner on proven options in the bullpen. I still think that they have a lot of very interesting arms that can potentially course, give them. Of course they do. Nobody's arguing that. My point is that the, in order to make their starting rotation function in the way that it, 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 it needs to, to be able to function on depth, not have guys consistently go into the sixth inning, to be able to consistently go to the bullpen, to be able to maximize guys who are in the starting rotation that are not proven and are are not going to be your highest leverage guys. 
you need to be able to have a bullpen. And the Brewers have shown this in the last two years. They need to have a lockdown bullpen in which they've got two or three guys that they can always go to. And right now, that is the biggest hole in the roster for me right now. It's not third base. It's they don't have a surety in the bullpen. Could it work out? Yeah, I mean, it could work out. But I think the fact that we're like, I don't know, they got a bunch of guys that could maybe do it shows that they actually don't have a do surety they, in the bullpen. Do they have enough talent in the bullpen right now that you have some faith Craig Council can figure it out? I, I mean, I don't. What is Craig Council figuring out? Mean like watch who's throwing the ball well. When we hit when we hit Craig Timber, he knows how to push the push, buttons. Push the right buttons. No, he I mean I he, I guess he's got he's got a Drew Pomeranz where he can go. Well, you're good. <laughs> like put him in. <laughs> I mean, do you think that's a lot of it? Is that they've given Council the right guys by the time they've hit September? Every I mean September. Uh, what was it? So 2018. I mean, Jeremy Jeffers was kind of flagging a little bit by that point, but they had Corbin Burns being able to be a big guy that was able to come in. They Burns had, was a big ad. Uh, yeah. Knable figured it out again at that time because when Knable came back, he was absolutely he was not good initially. It was I mean, September. It, he picked at, it up. Corey Knable at one point, I think it only given up like two hits all of September. Like he was he was incredible. He got shut down for like, oh, 10 days at the end of August. And then when they re-expanded the roster. Like he wasn't even like sent to the minor leagues. He, yeah, he coming into September in 2018, Corey Canable, I think everybody was still like, we don't trust this guy. He's definitely got some garbage innings in him. And then he turned into the right-handed Josh Hader for the rest of the season. Well, I think the I think yeah. the best because I re, I remember looking at it and like everybody was talking about how good Josh Hader was in the beginning of that year, rightfully so. Uh, Corey Canable in. September was better than the good version of Josh Hader. Like he was, he was incredible. Oh, oh he was coming in during the playoffs and you were like, Oh, this is shut down. When Knable is yeah. right. He's every bit as good as Josh Hader. Like there's no question about that. He's just been a little more variable I mean, than Hader has been. He can't go, he can't go multiple innings, but in the one inning that he is, I mean, he can maybe go a, once in a while more, but he's not somebody that you're going really <laughs> to, they used it for multiple innings. innings and it eventually led to uh, TJ surgery. Yeah. I mean, I want to say well, he, he threw to be one, fair, 1.1, 1. 1.2 on a reasonable number of times. I was going to say, to be fair, though, Knable apparently had been like dealing with a partially torn UCL for like four years yeah, and then I, finally like decided to go to it. Yeah, that was but, always part of his profile. But like it's it's not – and like I understand, you know, Ryan's fundamentally has uh, a kind of like uh, faith in, in Stearns and – Council that they'll like figure it figure it out, but there's also a piece in which you know he's looking at the best side of every single player that's there, and I'm not saying that they don't have the potential to have a useful bullpen to be able to have a guy who can step up in the starting rotation and kind of partner with Woodruff and be a one-two punch at the top. Whether that's you know Corbin Burns coming back or whether that's you know Hauser being able to take a step forward or whoever, but. My point is when you're looking at who it is and you're looking at what their most successful teams have been when they've gone on extended runs, you always knew who they could count on at all times in that bullpen. And there were always three or four. And as of right now, it's it's hater and uh, kind of hope that Freddie Peralta is, might like be that guy. And that's like it. I don't know. I kind of feel like we had this discussion last winter. We did have this discussion last winter, and it took time to sort it out, and they did have to add a, a Drew Pomerantz to have. Right. So, so they, again, the discussion so like, we had last winter did include Corey Knable not having Tommy John surgery. Yeah, 
absolutely. It, it, it involved Corey Knebel and us being very positive in his ability to contribute to it. And we still weren't necessarily sure of the bullpen. And what we're then saying is, well, I guess, you know, maybe they're going to be in a position where they were last summer in which their bullpen was a constant source of frustration. They added Drew Pomeranz and then they went like, you know, 25 and four or whatever. They ended up going down the stretch to be able to like get into the wild card by like a hair. Right. What? Like it's yeah, they're pretty solid. A, Hold on. They're pretty solid in the wild card. They had that wrapped up a what? few days before. What? Like so like what two games? It was at least. I mean, considering where they were going into September, yeah, I think the, the fact Cubs that ended they up had 84 wins. The fact like, that they had that wrapped up the before liked, the end of the season. I was going to say the Cubs also decided not to try like 4 days before the season ended. Uh but like my point is Hold on, do we want to spend some time on the Cubs just for fun? <laughs> Yeah, I always like gunning on the Cubs. I mean, it is. I heard they're. Fun thing. I heard they're shopping Chris Bryant. I heard have that they, they didn't si- have the money for Eric Sogard. They didn't have, have Eric Sogard signed, money. <laughs> have they signed a single player this year? No, they don't have money. They yeah, they don't have money. It's all going no, to like, <laughs> reelect the president. No, 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 no. All their money is being sheltered by their new marquee uh, Sportsnet. Oh yeah, don't forget but, like, that. To be serious, like, have they signed a single player? No. I mean, like, they they're, going they nuts they they're going no, nuts. They're going nuts. Hold on, hold on, hold on. In fairness, they did sign Hernan Perez to a minor league contract. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, and they got uh, Brandon Morrow to a to a minor, they, minor they've signed some minor league contracts. Well. <laughs> Steve, that hurts you, doesn't it? That Hernan the, the Perez, Perez one does. It does hurt a little bit. Well, I'm just that pulling traitor. up their. Uh, I'm pulling up their depth chart right now to see if there's any new faces on it whatsoever. Well, they, they seem to want to deal Chris Bryant, but like they expect somebody to give them like the sun, the moon, and the stars for him when you have two years of control and you're going to be paying him market value, basically. So, yeah, it's going to be making close to 20 million each year. Yeah. So, I mean, but let me tell you what, what you definitely don't want to do is pay for good players, uh, but you don't want to also give them money. Right. Teams aren't going to give you a ton of prospect value so I they can then pay what, market value for a player. Are they really the that in on like Kyle Schwarber's low contact rate? I, I don't know what their deal is with Kyle. You Schwarber. know what I mean? Like Schwarber's kind of a weird one. Again, he's the Ricky Weeks. He's, Schwarber has. Yeah, he has definite Ricky Weeks tendencies, though. Ricky could play a good ish second base by the time. But the point eight. is, I think they were expecting Schwarber to just be a monster at the plate, not a high walk, low contact guy with a lot of power. They thought he was going to be better than he has been. Yes. And you know, that works a lot better when you got a second baseman. That's like that as opposed to a say, to, terrible to be left fair, fielder. Though, like Schwarber was actually pretty damn good last year. He was good, but yeah, I mean, considering what they wanted Schwarber to be when they drafted him, Versus sure. the player he currently is. Like I said, it's very Ricky Weeks-esque. They thought what Schwarber gave them last year was going to be more of a standard year for him instead of a breakout. But, I mean, to be fair, you know, they still do have Daniel Descalso. Ah, so. never, ever, ever underestimate the ability of Daniel Descalso to piss me off. That guy is the ultimate pain in the ass. I thought Brian Lajero was going to be your guy. No. No, I mean, Descalso, Descalso, because he was also a Cardinal. When you go from the Cardinal oh, yeah. to the Cubs, and he has been a pain in the Brewers' ass forever. So I, say, I just Descalso look forward to following like, uh, Jason Hayward this this season yeah, since good. he was he was okay last year. I think Descalso is like my quintessential player for when you know I complain about or I think about complaining. You know about people. C- 
there was it was probably five or six years ago in which whenever like the royal wedding was happening and a bunch of people were like oh the royal wedding is so dumb and i was like i can't know my first thought was the red wedding not the royal wedding (laughs) oh good well but i was like you know i was like why why do people care about the royal wedding this is so stupid and i'm like writing my player annual for daniel descalso and i was like i was like why does any i was like there are going to be four people that read about this i was like why am i writing this and then I decided I couldn't ever complain about anyone uh, liking the royal wedding because I was writing something and spending my time on Daniel Descalso, who, like, nobody should really think about. You know, my wife, she had me set up the DVR to record record the royal wedding because it happened at, like, you know, between 2 and 5 in the morning. Yeah, I know. We, we, so, uh, we were somewhere with a friend, and we got up and watched it. So I found, like, BBC America, and I... I set it to record and there's like three hours leading up to the wedding i didn't realize that they had it split for when the wedding started that was a separate it's like the goddamn super bowl they yeah, have like it was, a five-hour pregame show but here's the thing it was a separate like recording session on the cable oh, schedule no. so it, it led up to like all the cars coming in and like whatever her name is gets out of the car and they walk into the church and then it started the next like three hours of the program i didn't record that oh that's a fail it was that's a well fail. whoops hold doodle. on hold on did she actually watch all the other stuff and then go no 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 no, no no oh okay no she did not watch three hours she clearly fast forwarded ahead to when they started walking in watched about five minutes of it the recording ended and then you know i'm like well i don't know it's gonna be online somewhere <laughs> I mean, yes, at that point, it wasn't like if you didn't have it, it's gone forever. It's obviously out there. So that's why DVRs are terrible. Ignore them. Avoid them at all costs. Uh, Other guys we should ignore at all costs. Uh, Travis Shaw. uh, We have a question from Adam Post on Patreon. What do you think of Travis Shaw's story about his struggles last season being due to swing change, a swing change he made prior to the season? Do any stats or metrics back this up? I mean, clearly the swing change he made was not hitting the ball. I mean, so I will say that there were times we noticed, everybody kind of in Brewer's Twitter would notice that Travis Shaw was like not hitting meatballs. And that was weird because normally you'd be like, that's a ball that Travis Shaw would crush last year. And that was a meatball and he just didn't even like get a bat on it. So maybe there was something to that, that he had made some adjustments and he wasn't comfortable with where he was. Uh, I suppose there's there's some possibility there. I wouldn't put that much into it, but it's possible. I, I mean, I will say there are a couple of things that if you do want to look at him potentially making a swing change, you would note that his ground ball rate just absolutely cratered. I mean, it was down to 28%, which means maybe he was trying to get more loft on it, but like at the same time, he never had a big ground ball rate in the first place. I was going to say, so that's that's an odd thing for really Travis Shaw because there's nothing about his swing that ever suggested that he wasn't trying to get the ball in the air. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and there were some things online, because I was looking at some things yesterday trying to like figure out what this was all about because it was the first time I'd ever heard that he was making a swing change in 2019. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this was talked about beforehand. Uh, I saw absolutely nothing. Even spring training last year, all throughout last year, there was no puff piece talking about a swing change. There was nothing talking about a swing change when he was struggling. Now, I, I would imagine... 
you know, there was something that uh, uh, I don't remember. There was some fantasy site that was talking about how he was facing more lefties in spring training, trying to get him to feel more comfortable using the opposite field. But like his pull rate last year was just about the same as it, you know, has ever been. So I don't know what that was all about. I mean, wouldn't that just be an adjustment in approach against lefties as opposed to a complete swing change? Because why would you change I, against righties? Yeah, I would imagine so. But it, like on some level, it makes intuitive sense, right? Because like his contact rate dropped 11% last year, like including, and that like includes balls in the zone, like just 11% lower in terms of his contact rate. So like, I find it more plausible that he was trying something and just absolutely it didn't work because the other option is like, he was just randomly bad. Which um, isn't supported by what he did in the minor leagues, which, again, 174 plate appearances in the minors no, no, last no, no, year. No, 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 no. Hold on. 286. He was playing in AAA. 586. He destroyed the baseball in AAA. No, no, no. He was fine in AAA when you look at what everybody did in Steve, AAA. he put up a 1.023 OPS. Yeah, that was, that's fine in AAA No, it's year. it's still, it's really good. Stop. No, it's good. Corey, Stop. Co- it was Corey fine. Spangenberg put up a 900 OPS in AAA. It, that's that's not a 1.023. Like, that's like by by definition, it's not. Yes. Uh, like, it's but, 100 plus points more. In that in offensive like, environment, in like, in, 100 points is like negligible. No, it's not. In like 350 fewer plate appearances. So, if you were interested in like talking about samples and how that would stabilize over the course of an entire year, I'd be open to that conversation. But, like, my I point understand. with bringing that up is he didn't forget how to play baseball. I've said this so many times on here, but like he didn't forget how to play baseball. He could still hit a baseball. So like, yeah, I mean, sometimes, right? Because like even during spring training, he was doing really well. Uh, he did really well prior- in spring training. Yeah. I mean, he was striking out a bunch, but like it's spring training. Um, and the biggest thing to me is I am skeptical uh I, I don't know that he was making a swing change in the first place. I really don't have any reason to doubt him. There were a lot of things that were weird about last season. I would expect that if his swing change was suddenly really uh, problematic, that it would have shown up in AAA as well, that he would have just suddenly not been able to hit anything in the middle of his own. Um, but at the same time, the important thing to me is just because he decides to go back to his old swing doesn't magically mean he's all fixed. Like you can't just like be like, well, I'm going to do the old thing I was doing now and I'll be great again. Yeah. Cause like, he should have done that last ha- season. Yeah. Cause that doesn't just like, you can't just flip a switch and everything is good. Well, to muscle, me, this muscle is memory exists, right? Muscle, muscle memory, memory does. Muscle memory does exist. And like, you can also mess up muscle memory by training something uh, differently for the course of an entire year. Well, and there's also times where guys will make a swing change. They will struggle for a year or part of a year, and then it'll click. Uh, I believe Matt Carpenter went through that when he made a swing change. Like he went through a time when it really it looked bad. It looked like he was done, and then all of a sudden he was like an MVP again for a brief period before I think age finally but like, caught up with him. But at the same time, if you're looking for somebody who made a swing change uh, and tried to fundamentally change what they were doing to be able to better impact the baseball and hit for more power. And it fundamentally just ruined him is Brett Lowry. Yeah. I I mean, that's a good shout. And like, he tried, he tried to, to, to switch his swing when he was, I think it was with Toronto and like basically tried to work back from that through the rest of his career and just wasn't able to do it. And it's a, it's a really strange thing when you talk about, you know, swing changes like this. And so I hope that Travis Shaw has a really nice season. I hope he's able to bounce back. I think he, 
uh, certainly deserves another chance to be able to go through. I it does to me sound a lot. And maybe, you know, maybe Travis Shaw is trying to make sense of his own struggles last year in which this is like the only way he can explain it because it was such just a random a, a random year in which he just struggled. Um, but at the same time, you don't see too many years somebody dropped off as dramatically as Shaw and they were able to come back and be all-star level performers. Well, and again, he made some comment that he started to feel it again at the end of last season. And then you look at what his numbers were and... Okay, but he also was not getting into games. Like he was so barely then, playing. But then, so right. But then how, the question is, but like, how, how does do that you... support that he was feeling like he was getting back to his old swing? He like, like with a four hundred have... OPS again. Right, but it was like thirty plate appearances. I know, over but, a then, month. but then he's but he is asking then if if you didn't play, then how do you feel like you were even doing anything? Well, I mean, he is taking batting practice. He is doing a lot more than just what we see I understand in the games. that. Again. I understand that. But, like, let me talk to uh, – if you want to go and do Google searches about how often people feel good in batting practice, <laughs> we also had Ryan Braun say that all you had to do was go look at his batting practice last year and you'd see all the swing changes he was making with his launch angle, and that didn't end up doing anything. And I've told you guys before, all players are either liars or they're stupid. That's basically it. Ignore like, everything they say because it's usually worthless. But at the same time, like, what is Travis Shaw supposed to do when he's doing, you know, he's talking to different teams and he wants to get signed or he's going to be going to a press conference and they go, wow, what happened last year? And he goes, no, I don't know. Like, sure. Yeah. Again, they're either liars or they're stupid. And there's probably a little, you know, combination of both going on. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. I, I mean, it's the same. It's the same. Anyone who has done something at a high level over the course of a lot of time is not going to flag in confidence, especially if he did try to tra change something. Um, he is always going to back himself to get back to where he was because they've not only seen themselves do it, they've felt themselves do it. They have the confidence in themselves to do it at a high level. He's never going to at least publicly doubt that he's going to be able to do it. Yes. They need to have a disconnect with reality to actually function in professional sports. That's a, thank you for saying that. It really is. It, it's seriously a thing you need to have. You have to have a disconnect from, you reality. need to have like a, yeah, there needs to be a certain irrationality to your confidence where you just don't things that maybe because again, these are people who believe they both earn their way into their standing as a major leaguer, professional baseball player. And also, God-given talent. They have a God-given talent, but also since they earn their way, they deserve to have as many chances as possible to stay where they're at. Like, once you earn it, you somehow don't lose what you've earned. Like, other players can't out-earn you and jump you. Right. That's what they believe. It, well, it makes no sense. It makes no sense because that's the from only... From a selfish perspective, That's the sense. only way you can be a professional athlete. From their perspective, it makes sense to they have are, it as an adaptive trait. They are insane. <laughs> don't be a professional athlete if you want to be a well-adjusted person that's basically what it is okay so we have a question from michael heitkamp yes is the molitor lot by far the best lot in miller park molitor lot that is the one north of 94 it is the one north of 94 and it has a lot of things going for it it does because you can get one thing that i like about the molitor lot is you can get out quickly like it allows quick exit from the things from the park and you can get that's, back to the freeway relatively easily. That's such an old person comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I normally, Hey, look, normally I take a shuttle to Miller park from, uh, I now live in walking distance of places that I can take a shuttle. So that's generally how I get there. But if I take a, a 
do a drive, I do go to the monitor a lot every time because so it allows good gonna, escapability. So you're like, what, a couple of years away from saying like, well, it's seventh inning. We might as well get out of here so we can beat the rush. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not that old, but I am. <laughs> He's I, like, oh, yeah, I'm schwitzing uh, from the heat. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, like, Ryan, Ryan is like, Ryan's, Ryan's the best because, like, you can very clearly not be genuinely, like, meaning what you're saying and he'll take it so seriously and defend it. Because, like, like, why would – of course I know I don't mean that. You go to games all the time. You're the one who's willing to sit through podcasts. You're the one who's willing to, like, (laughs) do everything to be able to watch baseball. Of course you're not going to leave in the seventh inning. It was a joke. No, but I do leave in the seventh inning. That's the thing. Like, there are games where I'm, like, if I'm with my wife and we're, like, eh, it's going to be, you know, an early (laughs) morning tomorrow. (laughs) Like, we should go. We, we should well, go. Sure. But that's different than like being like, oh, God, we got to. So uh, so my grandfather, um, he he passed away uh, a while ago from from Alzheimer's, but he was uh, one of the best people in the world. And I took him my dad and I took him to a baseball game at Miller Park when he was um, not so far. I mean, he was suffering from Alzheimer's pretty good where we had to keep an eye on him the vast majority of the time, but he wasn't, he wasn't so far gone that, that we had to be worried about going out and he was enjoying himself for the longest time. And then all of a sudden in the sixth inning, he was like, okay, I'm ready to go. And we were like, uh, all right, well, I guess we're going. And, uh, and so we're like driving back and listening to it on the radio and the Brewers had a walk off, like in that exact same game that we were, that we were watching. And like, and so my dad and I were like, oh, that would have been nice to watch. And and my grandpa was like, what a great game. And we were like, all right, that's good. So sometimes you can get out of the game early and there are good reasons for it. But in general, I don't have strong feelings about the Molitor a lot to bring it back to this, uh, <laughs> to bring it this question. Steve, you have opinions about the Molitor a lot. You like it, right? It's your I usually go to the Molitor a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a smaller, large lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, there's plenty of space in it, but you're not getting the whole Yount. What is it? Yount Euchre? No, Euchre is the, uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, the, the high-end, yeah. Premier, whatever the parking is. Whatever they call it nowadays, yeah. Preferred. Yeah, preferred parking. It's the pre-boarding lot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I usually go in the Molitor lot, but that's just because, whatever, it's easy enough to get in there. Um, I don't really have any real preference if somebody else is driving we usually oh. shuttle in we usually shuttle in that is true we've we've because you know what when you go to the bar you get a couple drinks and then you get a ticket to go on and you leave a tip so for the same price at least you're getting a couple beers included with it i was gonna right. say like in, exactly and in general if i end up going to a game i don't actually care what lot i'm in i just want to go tailgate for a while yeah exactly like want to be able to <laughs> want to be able to go, like th- throw the ball around for a little bit i want to be able to like get the grill out actually like have some brats and everything like that too yeah and i'm like how I much can i the- drink for as little as possible and that's why i usually take a shuttle the monitor lot is good for b- when you're at the front of it it, that is very good for tailgating. Like they have everybody's tailgating up in that spot. You know, it's the monitor lot, like the the lot used to be better when they didn't have as many cops running around. So you could go pee in the woods <laughs> without getting caught. <laughs> we are the last day of school here, folks. That truly is. <laughs> um, okay. We have a question from Trevor Strunk. Yes. Which racing sausage would turn to cannibalism first? If it came to that. 
JP, you want to take that first? I don't. Man, I don't think there's a. I I don't think there's an answer in this that I could. It's got to be the bratwurst, right? No, see, um, oh, I'm going to stay away from ethnic stereotypes here, and I'm going to go with the hot dog because hot dogs are just like their mystery meat to begin because with. Because they're made of like pig lips and anuses to begin with. <laughs> exactly. So, like, they would have no compunction about eating themselves because, of course, they wouldn't because they're they're already like a a bastardized meat to begin with. So, JP, what's your favorite sausage? You gotta like, have one. Like, which one's my favorite racing sausage? Or no, like no, 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 no. To, to actually eat, like, if you had to be a cannibal as a racing sausage, which one would you pick first? I mean, so part of me is like, I think having a good brat, there are very few things that are better than that. But I actually, I tend to like uh, a hotter Italian sausage if I, or actually, I don't think I could have it all the time. Um, but like Andouille sausage is wonderful. Yeah, it's not one of the options, unfortunately. But like if we were, I don't know, maybe in Biloxi it is. I don't know. I've never been know. to a game down there, but that would be a thing. I, I definitely, definitely like a good Andouille sausage. I was going to say, like Biloxi's definitely got to have what, like a seafood race, right? They're the shuckers. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, I mean, I always ate brats, but then I married an Italian. Yes. So, so I've had to adapt to like eating strictly Italian sausages. Oh, really? You don't which ever is, which is brats, which sometimes. is good. My wife hates brats. What? Wow. Hates them. No, no, no. What? It, Italian sausage, great. Hates brats. So well, yeah. I mean, that's fine. The I, only time I get a brat is when I go like to a game myself and we tell you. What about what guess. about hey Garshinsky? What about it's uh, Polish? Polish is weird because we never ate Polish sausages like grilled. Because that's the that's thing. Not how you family, prepare your family is like half Polish, half yeah. uh, German, right? So yeah. you guys like the German side always won that. So you guys we, were having brats anyway. Well, no, I don't know. We I ate mean, Polish it's sausages. It's Wisconsin. I was gonna say like I just we were up in uh, we were up in Portland to watch uh, the Badgers in, in Oregon for the for the Rose Bowl. We were dropping somebody off at the airport, and so we just swung around. And uh, and we went to a brewery up in Portland, and uh, they had a wonderful brat, and which was great because here in Eugene they're like, oh, we got bratwurst at this German, and like they're shit. And it was really nice to have like a good, actual like German uh, soft pretzel, a good, I you know, it's not it's not what would what are the the buns that Euchre always talks the about the soft pretzel buns. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a it wasn't a pretzel bun. It was actually like a soft pretzel, and then it was a bratwurst in just a, a regular hoagie bun. But it was delicious, excellent sauerkraut, uh, and I don't remember what the brewery is called. But you know, we all it, I just kind of failed at the end of that. But we'll we'll do what we can. There's a really good soccer bar in Portland. I'll have to tell you about off the air because I'm sure there really are. Really I'm sure that. there are. Are there I'm any sure there lacrosse? Are of them. There are none. Also, I will say, so uh, a couple of friends of ours came out for um, this past week and or, or a couple of weeks ago, and they were in a uh, a soccer bar in Portland, and uh, apparently John Oliver was there watching the Liverpool game. Uh, nice. And, and just, uh, but he had like some handlers around him and they like smuggled him out so he didn't get to say hello. Oh, that's, that's unfortunate. But Do you have yeah. to like ride your fixie to get there? Drinking your PBR, <laughs> dude. There's so much good coffee in Portland. I we just like, I I know that's like a an obvious thing to say, but 
we were just even trying to use Google search to find a, a good place for coffee. And like, there are so many roasteries I could spend all day. Google just said, turn around. Well, it was like, literally it was like two blocks away from us. Uh, let's see. We have a question from PJ Wessels. Pre, bri- please briefly describe your recording setup, microphones, audio interface, uh, soundproof studio. So normally we had recorded in my basement. Most episodes. I think we've done, I don't know, a dozen here at my yeah, place. Yeah, no, no, no. We've done a bunch at, at Ryan's place, which is in his living room, which is why his wife is chased off for an hour and a half to two hours at a time. She's sitting in the room right now. Sure. She's, she's happy, I'm sure. Generally, she's she's had to run off because she doesn't want to sit in the room while we're recording, especially when, when you're recording because we've got you know headphones and stuff on. Uh, you can't hear what JP's saying, so there are times when she's probably watching us just stare at each other. <laughs> really awkwardly as Stare JP, at the screen and listen yeah, to as JP monologues about uh you know coffee places in Portland. So um but otherwise we use uh we have a mix pre six from sound devices that we record on. Um and we usually record over FaceTime or uh what's it called Google Hangouts. Google Hangouts has been more common than anything. Yeah. Those are the two. Uh we have SM fifty sevens and fifty eights for our mics. Those are sure mics. Um. Yeah. Other than that, it's a pretty small setup, but it works. We've we've had to deal with some internet issues intermittently, and just <laughs> yeah, the, general computer issues. The better the internet is is the the better the whole recording works to begin with. Yeah, and my place has absolute shit internet, so that, it used to be okay, and then you move downtown where they have old buildings, old buildings, and just yeah, I'm not on cable internet. I'm on phone internet. It's those those terrible. copper those copper wires in the building don't quite carry the bandwidth that we need. I was gonna say Ryan and I were trying to do a uh, a minor league extra and and it just wasn't working and we were hitching a bunch. We tried to use Skype even without video and and Ryan's internet wasn't able to handle it. So we ended up doing a speed test and I think he was getting like 0.8 megabits and uh, and we were just like okay we're we're done like that's not. That doesn't even qualify as anything. There was a time that was like the standard internet speed in like 1994. <laughs> in 1994. Yes, when you dialed up and you had to listen to the... You, you that, paid, literally is, that literally is dial-up speed. You paid for kilobyte speeds. Yeah, it's true. And it's, it's a pain in the butt, but it's what I have at the moment. I'm hoping that we can get switched over, but there's been some technical issues because I'm in a building that is 110 years old. So. And it turns out, uh, it turns out there are like four different companies. So, yeah, it's not exactly a hugely competitive market. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, we have a multi-input mixer that we record into uh, that records the actual uh, audio for the podcast. It splits up into a multi-track audio. So, if we want to, we can, you know, I I could mix Ryan out if I had to. If he was really bad for a week, I just assumed you were doing that at various points. I could just literally drop his mic from the mix and then we don't have to listen to him. It would just be a conversation between JP and myself, but I generally don't do that because otherwise it, there's stuff that probably wouldn't make sense when JP and I are laughing just intermittently during the podcast. So, um, yeah. And then I don't know you, you edit on audacity. Yep. I've been editing an audacity and I usually use, uh, uh, audition, uh, which is an Adobe product, but I have a whole suite of things I can use. Oh yeah. Cause, cause that's you're a professional. I, Cause that's what I do where Ryan has to use the freeware to be able to do it. And I it's use, been, uh, it's I, been relatively fine. Yeah. I use audacity because I 
take four minutes to do it. The and number of times when, when people have asked me at work, like outside of our building, you know, what do you use to edit? I'm like, well, if you just need something to record and edit with, Audacity is like the open source audio editing equipment. I was going to say, and to be fair, like uh, if you do have a Mac, I used uh, I used GarageBand for a long time. It's super easy. GarageBand is almost identical to Audacity. So if you already have a Mac and you've got if you've got GarageBand in it, super easy. You can do multi-track. You can uh, you can do a lot of the same editing that you can do in Audacity. And actually, it doesn't sometimes uh, is a little bit easier to work with in terms of exporting it. But yeah, I I used that for a long time. I actually used that for the first few uh, mini pods as well. Just being before I like actually downloaded Audacity, so I didn't like do anything when I had to share it with people. I, I didn't want to send like GarageBand files, but um, yeah, I think they're both. I think most of the uh, the kind of open source stuff and the free stuff is is super workable, even if you don't necessarily want to uh, be a professional like Steve. Yeah, and I know initially we were like recording, you know, forty eight k twenty four bit files. I eventually backed all that off because it's all getting compressed down to 100, 128 kilobyte, you know, MP3 files. It's not very high bit rate. Steve's a bit of an audiophile. So, yeah. St- Steve used to uh, message us when something didn't sound great and just kind of yelled at us for something. Right. If we were recording a minor league extra, he a few times went back and took the file off of down, off online and would redo something with the file. I don't know what you did with it. You would edit it and like change it. And then repost it so that it sounded better. I didn't want people to be disappointed with the way it sounded. I know that was Look, when we started w- this whole thing. That was one of the first things you said to me was we can get good equipment and make this sound good because so many podcasts sound like shit. And it wasn't but, like, like the content you were worried about. It was the <laughs> the actual audio quality of it. Yeah. And then my voice is still on it. So there's not much you can do with that, my man. Well, you know, what always disappoints me when you two do the podcast is that Ryan reads everything. I'm like, no, JP's got more of the voice for that. Well, you should be the one that was reading all the intros and everything. I was going to say, I've done it a couple of times, but in general, Ryan wants to do it. It makes him happy. I know. Let him roll. I know, but I'm listening to it. I'm like, "Eh, I don't know if his inflection's right for this. But the thing is, when we do the minor league extra, he is definitely like the content and I have to do the host part of it. No, I I understood that. So it could have been a monologue. He showed that the mini pods are possible. (laughs) I did do some of the mini pods, though, to be fair, I also like couldn't read numbers in a few of them. And and Steve and Steve and Steve is like, why can't you say 20? And I was like, I don't know what I said. But and then I told him, well, then I actually had to tell him, like, I had a like I had an actual bad concussion. And so, like, I flip numbers a lot. Like, and, like, I have I have say, number blindness. I'm like, what? And, like, say the wrong thing a lot. I used to, what dude, I used to work for a financial institution and like had to tell <laughs> classes I was training that, like, if I say numbers that don't make sense, I just need you to stop me. Um, <laughs> it's it's not super great. And then I told and Steve was like, well, I don't actually want to make fun of you if it's like an actual thing. <laughs> I was like, well, but I but because it was funny is like actually in the mini pods, I started writing it out in words so I could actually like do it and and like actually say 20 percent off merch because I don't I didn't go back and re-listen. Say I like 12. I, I don't even know where you got like 12 from. I don't know. There's like I'm like there's no there's no freaking one in that number. I don't know. He didn't transpose it. No. 
No, that's not like just, you know, dyslexia that people learn to deal with. So anyways, uh, if you say see JP at a bank uh, as a teller, uh, go to the next window. Right. Or or you might actually want to give it a shot. <laughs> it might work 50, out. 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> you can come on ahead or way behind, you know, your choice. Okay. So we're going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, any last thoughts, JP, as you say goodbye? No, I appreciate everybody who's taken an opportunity to, A, get involved with the podcast, support the podcast. Uh, to the folks that actually, like, went and saw us at the game when we met up at Biller Park, uh, for folks that, you know, continuously, like, like DM me and whatnot, you know, stay in touch. And that's fine. I'm sure, I'm sure Steve and I will still be occasional uh, sojourners in the, in the new podcast. I'm sure we'll once in a while say hello. Maybe Steve won't be allowed to, but, uh, <laughs> like. I'll consider uh, it. I was going to say, Ryan will be like, no over done he is not allowed to come back you're definitely uh, welcome back whenever you'd like jp you are definitely yeah. welcome back i'll take it take that. that's fine take that steve so yeah anyways uh like i said everything is going on as it is anyway so uh just you know keep that subscription going um look for it every single week because you'll be ready to go next week correct yep we are planning to have we're hoping to have all four of us there might be a little bit of a hitch with that but it's going to at least be three of us next week and uh yeah i just want to say you guys this has been incredible this has been so much fun i look forward to this every week to be able to sit and talk about the brewers with you guys so i'm gonna miss it i'm looking forward to the new thing um i know it's going to be good we put together a really good team of people to do that but you know this is definitely kind of a sad thing because i've enjoyed this a lot and you guys have been really important to this and so i'm gonna miss talking to you guys about this but well and uh, i mean like we talked about too like being able to do something as a hobby and keep it up consistently over more than two years is a feat in itself. Yep. Like that's a, that's a lot. I mean, not to like get too much about it, but like this every single weekend being able to carve out time and everybody's everybody's schedule. And sometimes it's a little bit of a headache and sometimes we've got to be able to do these things, but it's a lot of commitment over a long period of time. And if it weren't just like enjoying, you know, chatting with you two, you know, every weekend, like we wouldn't have done this over two years right we would have stopped a long time ago if it wasn't enjoyable no it wouldn't have lasted nearly this long if we didn't just enjoy it yeah and so um but at the same time like i fully expect a josh hater trade in the next week since <laughs> like we're gonna be done and then suddenly i mean maybe you do you just need like carbon four to like re-up their their sponsorship or something in order to get a big move like i, I don't remember how that works yeah, actually, I'm I'm a little bit behind. I have a, a thing I need to send them, so <laughs> I have an invoice oh, for them. <laughs> Great. Great. Yeah, good. And I'll say it on the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. And, again, you're going to be back next week. So if something does happen, you'll talk about it right away, pretty much. So uh, it'll be good to go. James has been on before. Paul, obviously, has been on All a three, lot. Paul All three does, guys have yeah, been. Brad's been on as well. So, you know, it's, it's a group we've used um, in the past. Uh, there shouldn't be any hitches moving forward. It'll be good. It'll be fun. And it should keep the Brewers in the playoffs. Yeah, that yeah, is the we'll hope. Say, Keeps us in the playoffs. Be, That's science. It'll be, uh, you know, arguably better content. It'll, fewer Simpsons jokes. Uh, no. I mean, between me and Paul, about, I think it might be more. Oh, that's fair. Uh, what about, like, Grateful Dead references? Less Grateful Dead, I'm less, sure. Less Grateful Dead. Yeah, the, the references are going to change. So, but yeah, there will be, we'll probably do a lot more Packers talk, I would imagine. 
Like, we're not. We're uh, certainly no Ben. Uh, <laughs> ben. I was saying, uh, certainly no Ken Burns references. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing for any of the the guys who are coming in. Less Liverpool. There will be less Liverpool, and that will be truly sad. God, and and less like Steve, because like at the beginning, Steve used to get like extremely upset, but now he like begrudgingly accepts that it's going to happen once in a while. Like he doesn't even because before he used to threaten to shut down the podcast. Oh yeah, he would cut mics. Like he would just be like, "Nope, we're done. We're not doing that anymore." Yeah, and so he's a regret. He's a uh, begrudging Liverpool fan at this point. He came in today and was like, "I was kind of complaining. I'm like, this is the dumbest game." Uh, Liverpool was up one nothing, playing all their teenagers. It was a fun game. It was a, f- but no, it was a dumb game. Like I'm going, well, how are they winning this game? And he goes, oh, "But no, you're winning. Fun. Why are you complaining?" And I'm like, eh, "It's just weird." He's like, "Oh, we're oh, gonna no. have to play another week. They were supposed to be out because they're playing all the young kids." I'm like, "What are you complaining about?" Like, oh, what no, do they do? Just play the young kids that weren't playing again for another week? Yeah, I, was saying, oh. I thought it was tons of fun. They like they played uh, their biggest rival, and uh, their biggest rival played arguably their strongest team because they wanted to beat Liverpool. Liverpool basically put out every single player that doesn't start most weeks and beat them anyway. It was great. And See, they Ryan, Ryan complaining your player who was playing got hurt like eight minutes in. Ryan complaining that about that game shows that he is just a honk for every ownership group. He is pro-ownership. <laughs> He's anti-labor. That's exactly what it was proving. How does it prove that, Steve? Because oh, just trust me. I, I agree with Steve. Yeah. It's totally what it is. How, how does that prove that? Because your only goal is to maximize your profits. And maximizing profits were getting Liverpool <laughs> out of this tournament and preparing for ones that actually matter. I, I would like to win the Premier League, yes. That's that's my number one priority for the year. Though, Ryan though actually, Top, pro-ownership. I was going to say, to be fair, maximizing profits is definitely more games. Yeah, this is that so, would maximize profits. That yeah, would, I was going to say, they don't, they don't pay the players more, like, the more they play. So it's a little bit off. I tried to go with you as long as you could. He, but he likes, but he, li- he would like that uh, young players who don't generally play are getting uh, playing time and winning. Playing time and winning, yes. Low, low, low salary wins. <laughs> I like. I do like seeing sixteen-year-old players play. He's going to be able to sit there and win. evaluate whether or not it's worth like cutting the expensive talent to to have the young guys play. <laughs> He's like, I think that's. I think you can probably get a sixteen-year-old to give half the half the value is that thirty-year-old that you have to pay six times as much. Better go with the sixteen-year-old. Do they have euros per win in <laughs> Europe? It's Are the you UK. Brexit? I was going to oh. say, Brexit means Brexit, my man. It's pounds. Oh, Jesus. Good luck. What do they have in Ireland? Euros. The okay. Euros. Oh, man. This is really going to be tough. Doing that conversion back and forth. <laughs> it's going to be like a tax, and they're all going to hate it. I was going to say, <laughs> I was gonna say they, still, they still do the pounds regardless. Yeah, everything you read in, in Britain is pounds. Some of the stuff you'll read about Europe is more towards euros. Even if they're talking about like Liverpool, they'll put it in euros. I just, sorry. I just realized and when you get to Greece, I, they have euros. <laughs> Stop. Um, but I, I just realized pay them with extra onions and sauce. And this is <laughs> I never realized we never stopped recording. And this is like actually still in the podcast. Oh, this is still gone. <laughs> uh, yeah. God, I'm going to miss this. Okay. This is fun. Are we done? I don't know. I thought we were done like five minutes ago. You don't have any big heartfelt speech to give, Steve? Fuck no. (laughs) 
don't give heartfelt speeches. I was ready to just be done last week. I know <laughs> that is actually a good point. I I practically had to beg Steve. Like I literally would have just episode. I literally would have just not been on the next episode with no explanation. <laughs> I, I did. Steve, I that did was my prevents. I remember what was it a couple of weeks ago that we got together for what we thought was the last episode, and and Ryan was like, "I think we're gonna need one more." And I've never seen Steve look. So, I mean, I've seen. I've seen you two look like you're about to fight, but I've never seen Steve actually look like he was about to kill you. <laughs> Steve, Steve was not thrilled with that idea. And I, he, I kept getting hints from him and I'm like, now nah, we're going to need to do one more. Cause we, we owe it to the listeners to do one actual goodbye. So, and I told you I, in like October that I was going to be done. I, this was not like a week but to before. be fair. To be fair. I did feel a little bit cheated that we didn't have any computer or internet issues in our final episode. That's because I just fucking skipped it and plugged in. The... I just said, screw this. We're going to go to like plan C and just make it work. I was going to say you would have done like a compilation of old ones and been like, here you go. Take some take some random clips from previous episodes. Shove it together. Call it the podcast. We didn't have anything to discuss anyway. We talked about the Molitor a lot for 20 minutes. It, he would basically do Carrie Fisher's appearance in uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, Jesus. That made me so depressed. <laughs> I, I thought it was know. I thought it was not real. It not was real. like it was like, hey, we don't have Carrie Fisher. Let's act against uh, Amazon Alexa. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what the fuck? I don't even know what you're talking about. In the last Star Wars movie, when you have to record it with the person who died three years earlier. Yeah, oh, it, it was kind of sure. a, a weird situation where she was the one of the three that they chose to keep alive for the third episode. And she was the one who actually It was. Died. And all they had was like her asking questions, basically. What do you think? Because they didn't have her answering anything and they had to like use old footage. Well, the best part was Harrison Ford's cameo. And that was the most phoned in thing. Like He did not care. That was the worst. Harrison Ford showing up as Han Solo. And obviously, spoilers, if you're listening, uh, skip past this If uh, from two minutes ago. <laughs> that was a case where they clearly were like, this is where we need Carrie Fisher to show up. And we can't record something new. Hey, let's just bring Han Solo back. It was depressing to watch. I'm like, this wouldn't be here unless Carrie Fisher died. And it makes no sense. There was a lot of very depressing things about that movie. Ugh, yep. I tell you, JP, be glad that Star Wars wasn't a thing for your generation, which is all of like five years after us. That's fine. I don't feel like I missed anything about it. You didn't. But the Mandalorian is awesome. So watch that. Baby Yoda, dude, baby Yoda, all about baby Yoda. I, I enjoy I just enjoy the memes of baby Yoda with that little mug of. I don't know, whatever the fuck. I just always assume it's coffee, whatever he's drinking. Uh, no, 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 no. It's tea because it, it's replaced uh, Kermit drinking tea. Oh, is that what it is? Well, actually, in the show, it was like bone broth soup. But Well, that's what I'm asking. Like, I was asking what it is in the actual show. Yeah, like, it was, like, it it was, was like a bone broth soup. Well, that's good. Gotta stay healthy. Yeah. So anyways, but he also was, they was, ended they ended the Mandalorian this season with the uh, Darksaber. Okay. It's awesome. That's like a whole so Mandalorian like, thing. If you watch like the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels shows. I, I have not seen those things. It is awesome. And the fact that Gus Fring is wielding the Darksaber is pretty great. Now I feel like I have to watch that other stuff before I watch the Mandalorian because I haven't watched the Mandalorian yet. Yep. So check the, all of that out. And uh, we got baseball starting up in what? Six weeks? Four weeks? Six weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's 
about six weeks until kip, uh, pitchers and catchers report. So it's getting close. It's and coming up. I think there's still going to be stuff the Brewers are going to do before we're done here. I think they are still going to add to this roster. They still, they certainly have uh, the roster space and the payroll space to do it. So well, we know they have the payroll space because everybody's been losing are their people, minds. Are over people that. mad about that? Losing Steve? their minds. So I uh, hope they. I just hope they sign somebody like somebody else at first base, and then we have to have questions like. Is Justice Smoke going to play third base? <laughs> It'd be great when Chris Carter's resigned. So, anyways, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash MKE Tailgate. Patrons at the Ball Glove level and above receive the monthly minor league extra podcast. As always, follow us on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. You can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Podcast Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Casts and wherever you listen to your podcast. You can leave reviews and help people find the podcast. So thanks for listening, and look for Milwaukee's Tailgate again next week. They could just go and get uh, Jason Rogers to play third base. Again. <laughs> no. I agree. To the, to I mean, Jason Rogers wasn't a first Okay, we ready to go? Yeah.